God made man, but he used the monkey to do it. Apes in the plan, we're all here to prove it. I can walk like an ape, I can talk like an ape, I can do what monkeys do. Well, God made man, but a monkey supplied the group. Hey, monkeys. Uncle Silverback here. You're listening to the Armed Ape Podcast. Today is Saturday, the 9th of April, 2011. I got a uh, message on Facebook the other day from someone, and they said, Hey, man, I went to your site and tried to click on some of those ads that you talked about on previous shows, and they're not there. I'm like, you know, is it my browser? Is that type of thing? Well, here's kind of the bad news. Um, as some of you guys know, I had some ads on the site, and it was just a, a like a Google AdSense account, which basically uh, you just sign up for it, and they they give you the code, then you paste it, and then they send that stuff to your website, and it just they're just kind of rotating ads. So uh, I don't really have control over what the ads are, but what they try and do is they have you fill out a little thing saying, you know, this is kind of um, what I. Uh, what I think the people who would come to my site would be interested in, that type of thing. So on mine, you'd see a lot of ads for, uh, and this is again for both websites, you'd see ads for you know, gold and silver and ads for firearms training and you know, some other things like that and travel. You know, you, like I said, you go through and you check out all this, you check the boxes on this stuff of, of the type of ads you think that would, that would be appropriate. Well, anyway, I would get paid for any time somebody clicked on it. And it's not like I got paid, you know, a dollar or five dollars. I got paid probably about, you know, a tenth of a cent for every time that somebody clicked on it. Uh, and that's, well, that's not that much. You know, over, over a while it does add up. And uh, once you get us to a certain amount of money built up in your account, then Google sends you out a, uh, sends you out a check. And uh, so anyway, I'd been, long long story short, I guess, I'd been asking a lot of people to go over to the websites and click on those ads if they interested, you know, check them out, that type of thing. And I guess Google thought that those ads were, what do they call it, invalid. Uh, so I don't know if there were just too many of them. Uh, so if, if uh, a lot of you guys responded and went over there and started clicking on them, uh, that's the only thing I can really figure. And maybe they they saw the increased activity as something as uh, I guess fraudulent or something. Anyway, so what they did is they basically closed down that account, and uh, so I won't have ads on the on the site anymore. At least I won't have those kind of ads. Uh, if I ever got a sponsor or something like that, I would. I don't know that I'll ever get one. Uh, I've toyed with the idea of maybe putting up like a a, a PayPal donate button. But I, I don't know about that. I've got some ideas um, for some merchandise and things like that. So t-shirts and bumper stickers. Um, I don't know as far as what the response would be on those. And I'm not really sure how best to go about doing something like that to where... I, I know there's some sites where you can set it up to where if you want... I can go in and put a design up, let's say for a for artwork that would go onto a t-shirt or a logo or something that would go onto a t-shirt and then if you wanted to buy it you would go to this the site and then they would just print you up the shirt right then it's just kind of sort of like a print on demand type thing 
And I think that's how that stuff works. But again, I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, but I do have some ideas, uh, again, for maybe a t-shirt and for some bumper sticker things. And uh, again, we'll see. And I, I probably, um, depending on how much that stuff would cost, I don't know whether I'd do it or not. Uh, what was nice about the Google Ads things is it didn't cost you anything. It didn't require you to buy anything. But uh, like I said, we'll kind of go from there. Uh, let's see, let's, you know, before we jump in, let's go ahead and talk about contact info since we're sort of kind of on that subject anyway. If you want to contact me, do a voicemail for the show, do a review, you got a question or you got to want to relate an experience or a story, uh, feel free to do that. You can uh, do that a couple of different ways. First way would be to go uh, and just call the voicemail that I have, which is area code 206-339-3266. 206-339-3266 and uh, then you can leave me a review there or a question or suggestion or comment whatever you want to do or if you just even want to you know just do a shout out or something like that that's fine uh, or if you want to uh, send in some stuff um, let's say you didn't want to use the voicemail because sometimes the quality on it can be iffy I, I for the most part it's done pretty well though I think uh, but let's say you wanted to record a WAV file or an MP3 and then send it to me. You can do that at thearmedape at gmail.com. Also, if you wanted to do just an email and I can read it out for you, again, thearmedape at gmail.com. Again, I want to thank everybody that's gone over to iTunes and done reviews over there and left uh, input and stuff over there. So I really appreciate that. I really appreciate um Whenever you guys give me feedback or whenever you contact the show or send in a review, it, it means a lot to me. So thank you guys for doing that. I really appreciate it. Now on to a little bit different subject. I think maybe it was uh, last week's show that I talked about that I had a little bit of an eBay mishap. And I'll tell you, I was going to follow up with that last time, and I didn't get around to it. So I wanted to talk about it this time, and uh, this was happened. I was looking to buy. Well, yeah, I just I'll give the full story. I was looking to buy some uh, some good hiking boots, and I wanted um, something that I could go out to the desert in, so I didn't want them too heavy. But I wanted a, a decent pair of leather boots, and I kind of did a little bit of research, and I and I uh, I've talked about getting some some good boots before, but. Um, I, the, the price that, that I wanted for the brand that I wanted, which was the Corcoran brand, and I wanted their field boot um, because I it would be, uh, and it's uninsulated, unlined, it would just be kind of a pretty simple, uh, good quality leather boot with a decent sole on there. And uh, at the time, when I very first started looking, they were a little pricey. They've kind of come down, and I'll probably be able to find them. The problem is it's always a... It's a risk when you're getting stuff off of eBay, especially clothing type things, or and not just eBay, but when you're ordering off of uh, a website and you haven't been, and you're not able to try the stuff on, and you don't have maybe any feedback from anybody saying, "Oh, uh, and we'll just use boots for example." You know, if if you wear a size ten, what you really need to order is a nine and a half, or no, their sizes are pretty true, or this or that. Uh, so. Anyway, there I got there was a pair that looked pretty good, uh, and uh, they were just the black field boot, uh, like I said, unlined. 
And uh, so I went, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and just kind of pull the trigger on this and, and uh, we'll sort of see when, if I get them, if I get them uh, at a decent price and uh, if they're a little big, it won't be that big a deal. Uh, you know, if I had to, I, you can, you can do a lot where if you've got the shoes a little bit big, you know, you can do things like insoles and you can, uh, if you needed to, uh, you know, there's wear thicker socks or a couple pairs of socks with them to, to, you know, to get them to where they're not too bad and won't slip around on you so much. If they're not, you know, like way, way big, but if they're just a little bit big, it's not that big a deal. So, um, I normally wear a size 10. And so what I thought was, well, I know that sometimes boots will run maybe a size, uh, to a half a size bigger. And the research that I had done, most people said they ran about a half size big. And so what I thought was, well, if I get them and they're just a little bit big for me wearing just a regular sock, this would be good because if I wanted to, I could wear maybe a thicker wool sock or I could wear a liner and another one and I'd still have room in the toe, in the, in the, the toe cap of, of the boot so that my toes wouldn't, you know, get crushed. And for me, that's one thing that I can't stand and choose to have my toes all crammed up, uh, you know, to the end of them. So I thought, well, if they're a little bit big, it won't be that uh, that big of a deal. So I kind of pulled the trigger on that and ordered the boots, got them for a decent price, uh, well below what you would pay for new. Um, I get them, get them out of the box, and they look pretty good. There's a little bit of wear on the on the back of the heels, but nothing like that. Um, they're kind of broke in a little bit. The leather's nice and soft. And uh, I'm looking at them saying, hey, that's pretty cool. And I look inside and, you know, the, the size that says, you know, 10D, which is this, the, their 10 uh, medium. So it's just like a regular size 10 boot. So I unlace it. I go to shove my foot in there. And I can't get my foot in the thing. Like I try to put it on. I'm just like, what in the world is going on here? And so I... I pull the thing out and I look again and I, I'm just like, no, these are a size 10 and I'm trying to figure it out. I'm like, well, and my first thought was, oh shit, these things were mislabeled. They came maybe from the, you know, from the factory that way it got, it got the, the wrong label on them. And then I thought, well, how am I going to figure out what the real size is? You know, maybe I could take it down to a, uh, you know, to a shoe store or something and, and do it that way. Because if they're, and I thought, well, I'll just turn around and I'll sell them again, but I, I need to know sort of what the size is. And uh, so it kind of bugged me a little more and I was kind of bummed about it. And then I remember looking, doing, when I was doing my research and looking at stuff, I remembered that some boots had a a red and white label on the inside. And other boots had a, a black and white label. And I thought, well, what's the difference? Well, it turns out that the ones with the red and white labels, where, where it's a white label with red lettering, are the men's sizes. And the ones with the white label with the black lettering are the women's boots. And for those of you guys that don't know, women's sizes are usually... I think about two sizes smaller so that if you uh, if you normally let's say like in my case if you wore a size uh, uh, 10 in a men's shoe if a woman was looking to get kind of a maybe a comparable size shoe she would look at an 8 
Uh, and in the case with boots, uh, these are probably if they're if they run about a you know half a size to a size bigger, these are probably be about a size nine in a men's realistically, uh, or you know maybe like a uh, like I said an eight and a half or a nine. Uh, but unfortunately for me, because sometimes you know on shoes, uh, even if they're you know if they're a half size off, it's not going to be that big a deal because a lot of times it just depends on how that company makes their particular shoe. So maybe a size nine and a half for them is really more like a ten, or uh, you know a size ten and a half is more like a you know maybe like an eleven. So it, it kind of just depends on on what you're doing. But anyway, like I said, I tried to get my foot in there. I couldn't. It was um, it was too narrow. It was too you know, it just it just wasn't gonna fit. Well, doing a little bit more research, I went and I looked at some of the pictures, and I, like I said, I remembered seeing those labels. Well, of course, sure enough, I go and I, I go up to the Corcoran website and I look, and I'm like, well, these are the right number, and I'm, and then I go and I can't find anything with a picture of the label on that website for what the difference between the men's and women's shoe on. So I go back onto eBay, start looking, and sure enough, if you look at the women's ones, like I said, the women's ones are the ones with the white label with the black writing. So what had happened was, is I guess the person that I got the boots from just thought they had just sized them men's tin, and uh, but they actually turned out to be the woman's tin. So I'm gonna, like I said, I'm gonna have my wife try them on. I don't think they're gonna fit her. I think they're gonna be too big. Uh, however, but I thought before I put them on eBay, what I would do is maybe offer them to somebody out there. Um, if you want, you can email me. I can email you pictures of them and everything. They're in real good shape. There's no tears or, or giant scuffs in the leather. Uh, but like I said, I just don't think they're going to fit either of us. Uh, I think they're good. they'd are good. they be a real good boot. They've got a lot of life left in them. Um, but if that's something that you want to do, go ahead and uh, you can email me. And I can, like I said, I can send you some pictures and things like that on them. Uh, and they would be good. <clears throat> excuse me. They'd be good if you had... Uh, Maybe, you know, you've got a, a a daughter who they would fit or even if you had a son who's, you know, who's who's a, a younger son whose feet are still a little bit smaller, they may fit. Now, this kind of brings up an interesting point. And this is a little bit of an aside, but not much. Well, a couple of years ago, I used to listen to a, uh, it was a, a backpacking um, podcast and I forget, it was Backpack Light, Backpack Light or something like that. I can't remember. Anyway. Uh, they what I liked about the thing is they uh, on some of the things they would talk about some of their shows they would talk about different equipment what they thought was good what they thought was bad what held up for them because the people they had were people that were going on and going out for extended periods of time and uh, and so they would talk about things like well how well did this backpack hold up how well did these shoes hold up or these boots or you know what problems did I did I experience with them. And on one of these shows, they had a uh, an individual, and she was kind of a, a shoe expert, and she was talking about the differences between men and women's shoes, because the one person was saying, well, is there really any difference other than maybe the men's shoe is a little bit bigger, you know, when you get up into the bigger sizes. So is there really any difference between, let's say, a men's uh, size uh nine shoe which would be a woman's size uh what seven shoe you know are, are there any difference on how they're made 
And the lady was talking about, she said, yeah, there are. She said, in general, women will have a little bit narrower foot and they'll have a lot of times a little bit of a, a narrower heel uh, so that if, um, if, if you're a person who has kind of narrower feet, uh, for a man that you and if and uh, you may want to try and look at maybe getting a woman's boot because a lot of times from the outside and this is what she was saying she said like uh, the materials that they use the construction that they use the outside of them looking especially on things like some of the hiking boots there's no they're, they're just one's just a little bit narrower uh, maybe going back into the heel and stuff uh, but how they're made the construction of them what they look like it's all the same um, so, you know, again, if maybe if you're out there and you've got one of your kids has a little bit narrower feet and as a boy, you can't tell the difference. They look just like army boots. So, uh, but like I said, I'll, I'll get back with you guys next week and, uh, let you know whether they fit my wife or not. If they do, I'll just have her keep the boots. Uh, they'll be good. You know, like I said, for hiking boots, they're real, uh, they look real sturdy, real good. So, but man, I was I was just so disappointed when I got those in and I couldn't even get my damn foot in the thing. So anyway, um, that was kind of my boot fiasco. I'm still kind of in the market, you know, um, and it's one of those things to where if I can get a good enough deal on the boot, I'll probably take the, the risk. If anybody out there has had any experience or has had some of the Corcorans in the past, let me know kind of what you thought their sizing was. Most people seem to say that the sizing on the, their width is pretty good. It's pretty much spot on. But that the length of them, they usually go up to about a half a size bigger. Uh, and I would say the majority of when I would go and look at review sites and things like that, the majority that I saw uh, were saying that they were about a half size, two, about half size big. So, that it, so for somebody like me who wears a size 10... Um, I would have to make the decision, well, do I want them to maybe be a little bit big so I could wear heavier socks with them? Or if this is going to be primarily just kind of a, uh, you know, a pretty much a fair weather boot that I'm going to use. And uh, as long as I'm not going up to where it's super cold, uh, then I, then I would, would I want to maybe go with a nine and a half. Uh, but I saw a couple reviews on there where they were talking about, one guy said that the nine and a half for him kind of it fit okay but it was kind of it scrunched up his toes a little bit he felt that he didn't have enough room in the 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 cap of the boot i don't know if i'm saying the right thing but so anyway if any of you guys have any experience any of you guys that are former military uh let me know kind of what your uh if you remember the brand that you had have the boot that you wore whether you thought they were good whether you thought they you know did they have a big break-in period uh, also, let me know about the size difference and, and kind of your experience with them and things like that. Let's go ahead and switch gears a little bit. Uh, the last few shows I've been talking a lot about getting a small uh, a small backup gun or a small gun that's going to be really good for concealment, uh, especially when we're talking about uh, you know if you were going to go someplace where you, it absolutely had to be concealed. And not just for me, you know, but uh, and for everybody, you know, especially if you, uh, you know, if you had to wear, you know, more business attire, more like a suit and tie, a lot of times it's going to be hard, or, or even for women, it's going to be hard if you're, uh, especially with a lot of the form-fitting clothing and things like that, uh, it's, it'd be, it's much more difficult to um, conceal uh, even a, a gun the size of a Glock 19 
when you compare that to some of these small uh, small frame revolvers and some of the small little uh, compact pistols and what we've been talking about and we're getting some feedback from uh, about was especially the Rugers the little LCR and the LCPs um, and we also talked a little bit about, you know, kind of in that revolver frame, some of the, a uh, little bit of feedback from uh, on, on the Taurus and, and the Smith & Wesson. So uh, I got a little bit more feedback on that stuff. Before we get into that, you know, I still haven't made my mind up. Uh, it's one of those things where, uh, especially if I'm looking at getting the Rugers, the cost, I mean, it's not an $800 gun. And when you look at some of the the Smith & Wessons and things like that, they are, they are so pricey. And even used, they're pretty pricey. Uh, now, you know, when looking at getting a used firearm, it's not like buying a used car. A lot of times, firearms haven't been used that much. People will get them, they'll shoot 25, you know, 50 rounds through them, and then it goes into the drawer. Uh, and doesn't really ever get shot that much. So uh, most used guns are going to be pretty good. Uh, but the case with the, those Rugers is the price on them. And uh, to a certain extent, the Smith & Wesson, like the Bodyguard series and things like that, uh, are are pretty good price on them. You know, they're, they're not going to break the bank. Uh, so anyway, let's go ahead and uh, we'll get some, we got some feedback from Brad. And then we also got some feedback from Eric. Hey, Tony. Uh, Brad from West Michigan again. Hey, uh, the last episode of the Armed Ape, I think it was episode 36, there was some discussion, quite a bit of discussion about the Ruger LCR and LCP. I wanted to just throw out a couple thoughts that I have running through my mind while they're still somewhat in my head here. Hopefully I'll be able to <clears throat> get across what I'm trying to say quickly uh, enough. Um, sometimes I have a difficult time doing that. But anyways, I owned an LCP for about a year and a half, and there were two reasons why I originally purchased the gun. The first reason was uh, to get my wife involved in shooting. Um, she thought, and I believe, that a gun that size would be better for her with smaller hands, small frame body. Um, and she wasn't necessarily interested in concealed carry, but she wanted to kind of go check out the gun range with me, and it was something that I figured, well, we could do together. And this would encourage her even more so to do that. The second reason was knowing that she wasn't going to, at least at the time, conceal carry the gun, I figured I might um, like to do that. So I was kind of getting two for the price of one there. Well, after a few trips to the range, um, she quickly figured out that she much preferred shooting my Glock 19 over that little uh, LCP. Plus... Um, I, myself, uh, wasn't falling in love with the gun very quickly. Now, I will say this. The gun shot everything that I threw at it. Everything that I fed to that gun, it shot. Um, I pulled the trigger, it went bang, period. Whether it be round nose or hollow points, <clears throat> you know, whatever I tossed in that gun, it shot. What I didn't like about the gun was the trigger pull was horrible, understandable why it is as long as it is, um, but it still was obnoxiously horrible. The sights were non, pretty much non-existent at best. Um, recoil management, perceived recoil management, or actual recoil, was, in my opinion, pretty nasty. 
the grip is so small that I found myself, even with a little pinky extension on the magazines, having to readjust my grip virtually after every shot, knowing that that was going to be a major problem under some probably severe stress if I ever had to use it in a defensive situation made me very uncomfortable. I got about a total of pretty close to a thousand rounds through that gun. And I didn't have one failure from the gun itself. The gun performed well. I never got used to that gun. I just could not get that gun comfortable in my hands. I just couldn't do it. Uh, maybe if I put more rounds down, I don't know. But I figured after almost a thousand rounds, I should be somewhere pretty proficient with it. It was more comfortable to me, certainly, after that many rounds than it was at the beginning. But ultimately, what it came down to for me was convenience and size of carry versus my, um, my ability to shoot the gun accurately and my confidence and my abilities to shoot the gun accurately. Even, in even within defensive um, distances of 10 feet, 15 feet, seven feet, I felt pretty comfortable that I would be able to hit center mass, but there was just a controllability issue with that size of a gun that I could not get beyond. And it just, bottom line came down to, I will not sacrifice um, comfort or, uh, you know, convenience, I will not put that over my, uh, my ability to shoot a gun accurately and to have and my confidence in that weapon that I'm carrying in public. It just wasn't going to happen. So the gun went on the sale block. And I guess uh, one thing I just wanted to get, get out was I hear this a lot from people with these small guns, that they put 50, 100 rounds through them, maybe, if, maybe 200 rounds at best, just to see if they'll feed. And then they go in their pocket and they carry them. And they don't enjoy shooting them. They're not a fun gun to shoot for most people. So they just bury them in their pocket and take them out. And that just drives me crazy. Now, you know, is, is a gun better than no gun? Yeah, I, I would follow that line of reasoning. But convenience and ease of carry over the dependability or accuracy and your ability to shoot a gun reliably and accurately in a public situation is just, that's got a way. That's got a way much heavier. And I would strongly recommend to anybody who, you know, purchases one of these small guns, get really proficient with it. Otherwise, don't carry it. Just because it can fit in your pocket of your jeans or whatever, so whoop de do. You know, be responsible, you know. Anyways, that was just a chip that I had on my shoulder a little bit and made me think about that when I was listening to your podcast. All right, Tony, take it easy, brother. Have a great one. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, Brad, thanks for sending that in. You know, you bring up a really good point in that, especially with these small guns, what a lot of people don't realize is that you have to train with them. You have to go out and shoot them. Uh, especially if it's, if you're going to depend on this thing to, uh, to ultimately maybe save your life or the life of of, uh, of your family members. 
So you've got to go out and you've got to train with them. You've got to shoot them. Uh, and, and most people, again, don't. They're going to go put maybe a box of ammo through it just to make sure that it runs, that the gun doesn't malfunction with it. Uh, and then they'll, uh, they'll do it that way. Um, again, for me, I know that I can, uh, I'll overcome the training issue. I've, I've fired some of the really smaller guns before, like I said, some of the cars and things like that. Um, and those are a little snappy. You can get used to them. Uh, and by what I mean by snappy is because the gun is so small, um, and this, I think I was shooting a nine millimeter, uh, it, it tends to want to pop back. Uh, much like you hear maybe about the uh, uh, the recoil with the with the 40s and like I said it's nothing you can't it's not that dramatic but it's nothing that you can't overcome with a little bit of training um, but again you do have to train with them now what's good to know is that everything you fed into it it ate so and that's what I've heard too uh, I've heard that that it's a pretty reliable thing and again that would probably be my one of my big concerns would be the reliability of it. You know, as long as it goes bang every time, I think I can, I can overcome the training, uh, the training issues with them. So, uh, let's see. Let's go ahead and hear from Eric, kind of on that same subject. Hey, Tony, Eric here with a quick follow-up from the firearms talk on the last episode of the Armed Ape Podcast. I really don't want to get firearm centric here. This is going to be very brief. Uh, I misspoke when I said that you could use the AK magazines in the VZ-58. That's not the case, to the best of my knowledge. Um, anyway, I just wanted to put that out there so that no one went out there and, oh, I got all these AK magazines, I bought this gun. Uh, I don't think they're going to work, actually. I think you need specific magazines. And you mentioned the short-stroking of the trigger on the LCR, on the Ruger. Uh, I found the same problem, and I found that I can do it very, very easily. Uh, as much as I like the LCR, that's why I'm looking at a Smith & Wesson 442 or 642. The trigger spring, uh, the, the return, I'm, I don't know the nomenclature, much stiffer, and it actually seems to throw my finger out a little bit better. It doesn't allow me to short stroke nearly as easily. I do it all the time in the LCR. I don't do it on the Smith & Wesson J-frames. So with that said, y'all take care, and I'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Eric. Uh, you know, on that... On that uh... VZ rifle, I checked up on that too, and uh, it, it is the fact that you can't, they don't take the same type of magazine, so, uh, you know, for those guys out there that were maybe thinking of them, we're doing a little research on them, they are not compatible with the AKs, so. Uh, and I, like I said, you know, kind of the stuff, again, the, doing a little bit of the follow-up with those small little, either the revolver or the uh, the other little semi-auto pistol. You've got to be able to shoot them. You don't want to be in a uh, in a situation where you know you're short stroking the trigger and things like that. If you're having to use the gun as a defensive weapon, um, and like I said, I when I would do that, I was I'm so used to uh, on a semi-auto having that trigger reset, and I think that's what I'm doing. I'm not really thinking about it. Uh, although I don't really have that problem with uh, the my Smith and Wesson revolver that I've got, my big one, but uh, I don't know. Um, so for me, you know, again, like I like I've stated in the past, kind of the quest goes on and on. Uh, eventually, I'll make a decision, and uh, when I do, I'll let you guys know and kind of kind of uh, what I uh, what I actually think about it, and once I have a little bit kind of long term with it. 
All right, keeping on the old firearms theme, I got an email from a guy named Jack, and he was saying, you know, why would you have concerns about shooting brass ammunition in an AK or in a rifle like a, an SKS? So we kind of went back and forth a little bit, and I was saying, well, I don't have any concerns about that. That what I was talking about was that you get could get better accuracy if you've got better ammunition, and with the brass stuff. Uh, and especially if you're doing reloading and things like that, eventually you could get, because you could control everything, especially once you're reloading, you can control the bullet, you can control the powder, you control the amount, you control the primer, all that stuff. And if you're using brass and if you just resize the neck uh, and not the case, then your case is fire form to your chamber. Uh, and I didn't say all this stuff in the thing, but he's, I think he's a reloader and so he knows all this stuff. But anyway... Um, I hope nobody else got that impression that I thought that you that there would it would be somehow detrimental to fire brass in a uh, in an AK or a an SKS, which is what Jack happens to have. And then he said that he didn't really see much of a difference shooting the brass out of the SKS uh, as opposed to the steel. Um, a while back, I was at the range and uh, got to talking to a guy there, and he had an SKS and. Uh, I tell you, I really like shooting that thing. Um, and just the nature of how that particular weapon is designed, you're going to get a lot more accuracy out of that than you would out of an AK. Um, but uh, it was fun to shoot. And I actually, at least on this guy's model, and his I think was a... Uh, I think his was... I can't remember if he said his was Russian or Chinese. It's been so long. Uh, but it actually had a really nice trigger. I really liked the trigger on that. It was a nice, smooth trigger. Um, and uh, we were shooting at targets that were out to uh, 200 yards. And uh, he had just a, um, oh, it was just a kind of a El Cheapo scope on there. And bang, 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 we were getting really good accuracy out of that, uh, out of that SKS. So the SKS is a really cool rifle. I'd like to own one. Uh, I, with the prices of them, I don't know. I mean, they've kind of gone up. You can you used to you could get the Russian stuff, and uh, now it's, you're hard pressed to find anything that's Russian. And if you do, they want like four or five hundred dollars for them. So, and it's just kind of hard because when I first sort of became aware of them, you could get them for you know, around $120 or so. And now I think a couple of gun shows that I've been to, the cheapest I saw one was about 325 or something like that. So, which still isn't that much, you know, for a rifle, but for something that for me would basically just be a toy and something to goof around with, it's a little pricey. I think I'd rather spend the money on ammunition to be, to be frank. Um, but anyway, that was kind of that whole thing. Um, and again, I do think that especially going to the brass, going to a higher quality ammunition, you're going to get better accuracy no matter what, and especially if you're reloading. So, uh, But I wanted to say thanks, Jack, for writing in. I appreciate that. Now, I also got an email from Alex, and I think I read out one of his uh, on the, one of the last shows. And, uh, he's, and I was talking about that I, if I have a three fifty seven Magnum, uh, that... If I had a, I've got a, a regular uh, 686 that I've got that I've had for years and years and years. And then if I got a small frame revolver, I'd want to get it in 357. And just because it's going to be, 
is going to be able to stand the pressure of that magnum load. So obviously it's going to be able, you can shoot 38s and 38 plus Ps through them all day. And uh, Alex sent in an email and what he was talking about uh, was the um, uh, pistol caliber carbine. So, uh, and kind of one of the things that's kind of surfaced up again is the Rossi ranch hand. Um, and he was just talking about that they look cool and stuff like that. And, uh, uh, and it's a neat gun. If, and if you guys go and just do a Rossi Rants hand, you'll see what it is. I think Steve McQueen had, uh, they called it a mare's leg, uh, and the show that he had, and I can't, was the wanted dead or alive. Was that the name of this show? I don't know. I didn't, it didn't really matter. Um, but anyway, it's a cool, it's a cool little gun. Um, I don't know how, how practical it would be. Um, the thing of it is it's got, you know, it's basically kind of a cut down thing. It's designed as a pistol, so it's not considered a short barrel rifle because it was always intended to be a, a, a pistol. Um, now I've never shot one, so I don't know how, how it's like to shoot. Um, they come in 44 Magnum, 45 Colt, uh, they come in 357. Which of course you could shoot 38s in the 57, and then in the 44 you could shoot in Magnum. You could shoot the 44 Special out of them. Um, and I'm not sure what the uh, what the round capacity is on those things. Um, let me look it up here. It's six shot on the 44, uh, and it may be a six shot on the on the 357 as well. Let me take a look. All right, uh, six shot on that. It's got a 12-inch barrel. Uh, overall length of them. Does it say if it's saying here? It doesn't say. Um, maybe it'll say it here. No, it doesn't. Uh, so I'm not sure what the overall length of it is. Uh, in the 45 Colt, probably about the same thing. Yeah, six shot. So. Uh, you know, that's kind of neat, but just for a little six-shot thing, eh, you know, I don't know. Um, if someone gave one to me, I'd be, I'd, I'd love to have one. I don't know that I would ever really go out and buy one. Uh, again, if I did, uh, it would be a thing to where it would, it would basically just be a toy for me. Uh, but I wanted to say, Alex, thanks for sending that in. And I'll put a link to that in the show so that if you guys want to go over to the website, you can check that out uh, under the links there, so... Uh, let's see. I think that's about it for the feedback that we've got. Uh, and again, kind of speaking of feedback, if you want to send in an email or a voicemail or an MP3 or a WAV file, uh, please feel free to go ahead and do that, and I'll uh, get it on the show for you. It's time to whip out my pimp cane and beat some knowledge into your heads. So listen up, motherfuckers. All right, now's the time in the show when I like to go over uh, some of the things, give you guys some recommendations. I'll let you know some of the things I've been listening to, watching, that type of thing. As far as podcasts go, uh, again, uh, you can't go wrong if you like a lot of the B-Movie stuff. Uh, B-Movie cast, that's got Vince Rotolo, his wife Mary, and uh, then Nick, who's cast, who's cast, whose uh, website is B-Movie Man. Uh, go over there, check those out. Uh, I'm not sure um, how much... Um, Original shows Vince is going to be doing in the next probably couple, two or three, maybe a couple months, I guess. Um, he's going to start having to work super long hours, and he goes through this occasionally. Or I guess I should say periodically. 
where he's working like 12 hour days and so he the the podcast kind of goes on hiatus uh i do know that he has some stuff kind of in the can uh some shows that he did kind of uh with, with some different people uh, that he can play so that he has at least some some content to put out other podcasts that I like are, of course, uh, again, these are going to be kind of movie ones. Uh, our uh, Cadaver Lab is always good. JAFMP is good. Um, and those are kind of some of the main ones I listen to. I There's one, I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but it's called Horror Etc. Uh, really, really good one. A couple of guys out of Canada. There's Tony and Ted that do that. Um, if you haven't, if you're not listening to them, I'd recommend them. Um, let's see. As far as TV shows and things, um, I've been. I started watching uh, Sons of Anarchy. I've only got I'm about halfway through the first episode, which I like. I like that. Um, and I'll. I, I'm hoping uh, because I'm not watching it on television. I think they may be. I think they maybe have a little bit of a looser cut. Um, for the DVD or for streaming. And actually, I'm doing uh, the Netflix streaming. And uh, I really like that. In fact, next next show, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over kind of um, that now that I've sort of taken the plunge into... Uh, I've got, a, the, I got the Sony PlayStation, but I'll, I'll talk about that stuff on the next show. Uh, but I've been watching a lot of stuff by streaming through Netflix... Um, uh, some of the TV shows that I've, I, one I wish they had on there. I, I watched. I got a DVD from the library, but we had to take it back before we got into it too much. But was that Breaking Bad? Uh, and that looks pretty good. I watched a couple episodes of that and liked that. Uh, but what I noticed with on the DVD was, uh, and these are shows that I think were either on AM. I think Sons of Anarchy is on FX, and I think Breaking Bad may be AMC. But anyway, Breaking Bad. In the first episode, they actually had like some real brief nudity, and so I, that's why I'm kind of, you know, they're not going to show that, of course, on AMC. But the um, uh, probably for the DVDs and for the other stuff, they probably have something that's more of like, you know, like a Showtime or an HBO type cut, uh, so that they, they'll be able to have a little bit more adult content and probably a little bit more um, adult language and things like that. So. Um, Let's see what else. I've been watch. I've watched a bunch of movies. Got caught up on. Um, I watched Vampire Circus, which I liked. Um, there's a movie that I would recommend if you've got Netflix streaming. I think you could get the DVD of it too. Uh, but I watched it yesterday, and it's called Predator Prey. Uh, it would it would remind you of probably like a. Uh, a longer kind of uh, outer limits or twilight zone, but a really good, like a really good episode. And the the actual movie's about, oh, I think it's about an hour and twenty minutes or something like that. But I I really really liked that movie. It was just right up my alley. Um, and it, what it is about is there's a a, a ship kind of crash lands on this planet, and then these three three guys these soldiers have to go after the prisoner who escapes so uh, and then it's kind of becomes sort of basically like a chase story at that point um, and of course there's isolation because they're crashed on the planet and no help's going to come you know they can't get extracted for you know 
I think it's going to be a hundred and some odd hours. So, uh, again, but just a fun, enjoyable movie. And if you're kind of in the mood for that, I'd really recommend that. And again, that's Predator Prey, and that's through uh, through Netflix if you've got it. Okay, monkeys, let's go ahead and wrap up the show for today. I'll drop in a song here, and uh, then I will talk to you guys next time. Music on today's show provided courtesy of Jamindo. The artist is Tab. The song is called Black Rain. This guy's got a monkey scrotum and he's bragging about it. Oh, <laughs>